Hi, I'm Steve Thomas. This is Cacophony. Let's dive into some great music. But first, a warning. This episode may leave you frustrated by the slow pace of change in society, but it does come with great music. You all know the thing about six degrees of separation, right? Well, here's how you get from little me to Florence Price, the first African-American woman composer to have a symphony performed by one of the major American symphony orchestras way back in 1933 and almost never since. As well as the fab touristy and great bird-watching beaches with huge skies, where I grew up, one of the local places to go is Sandringham, country estate of the Queen of England. They've got woods there with a fab adventure playground if you're ever in the area with kids, but they've recently started charging for parking because, I don't know, maybe she's short of cash. Big legal bills for her son coming up or something like that. When my mum and dad had visitors, we'd always take them to Sandringham. Never to go to the big house, which was expensive. But we'd generally go into the little church, which was free. It's got a solid silver pulpit, which I've just discovered was paid for by the American department store magnate, Rodham Wanamaker. He gifted other more famous silverware, the trophy for one of the major golf tournaments. But he was also a music lover, and in 1932, he sponsored a music prize in Chicago, held by the National Association of Negro Musicians. And first and second prize went to Florence Beatrice Price, for her symphony number no. one and a piano sonata. Third prize went to her friend and housemate Margaret Bonds. It was enough to get Price noticed, and the following year the symphony was performed by the Chicago Symphony Orchestra. Bizarrely, that's me to Florence Price, in only four steps. The award and recognition that came with it was really welcome. Having moved to Chicago to escape racial violence in Arkansas, Price had now separated from her husband to escape abuse. She and her two young children were actually living with her friend Margaret Bonds. But she'd found a supportive community of black artists and musicians in Chicago. They say it takes a village to raise a child, and whilst the Chicago Symphony and its conductor had become aware of her music, it actually took the financial backing of people from this community, underwriting the costs of the concert, to get it to happen on stage. Price's struggles weren't over with this symphony, writing ten years later to promote her work to the chief conductor of the Boston Symphony, another of the US's big bands. She spoke of her twin handicaps, sex and race. Unfortunately, she wrote, the work of a woman composer is preconceived by many to be light, froth, lacking in depth, logic and virility. Added to that the incident of race, and I have coloured blood in my veins, and you'll understand some of the difficulties that confront one in such a position. There are none of those women composer problems in Florence Price's first symphony. I have no doubt that if this had been written by, or Brahms or Vorjak, there'd be heaps of recordings, and it would be getting played all the time. It's seriously good. I can't play any clips because of copyright, but in a few minutes you'll be able to listen to the whole glorious thing. Of course, Brahms or Vorjak or anyone else couldn't have written Florence Price's symphony. All music is an expression of the writer's own feelings and lived experience. Everyone's voice is their own, informed by their lives, 
but also their background. Back before the start of the 20th century, the great Czech composer Antonín Dvořák had been lured by the dollar to teach at the new National Conservatory of Music and get paid 30 times what he was being paid in Prague. While he was in New York, he dived, or dove if you want to be all American about it, into the roots of local culture. He told the New York Herald, I'm now satisfied that the future of music in this country must be founded on what are called the Negro melodies. European Americans in the main felt that at that time there simply was no musical heritage in America. Dvorak felt that a genuine musical culture needed to spring from its people. And so it is with Price's symphony, which seems imbued with the sense of the South and deeply connected to her roots. There are things that sound like spirituals, there's church music, there's even music to sit on the porch by, something I've seen described as one of the great American pastimes. It's in four movements. The first 18 minutes long declares Price as a serious operator. It's got memorable tunes, and she has a great ear for orchestral colour. People say it reminds them of Borjak, but I think it feels like the start of Tchaikovsky's first symphony. She starts, and you immediately feel like you're joining a journey that's already underway. You're instantly drawn in, and you want to know what's going to happen. It's like a page-turner book. The second movement's chorale-like song is really memorable. There's a quiet drum in the background. Is this a funeral march? I'm not sure. I love this tune, it's really burrowed deep into my head. If the second movement was in church, the third is at a party. Price gives us a dance like most composers do here, but this, uniquely, is a juba, a catchy, syncopated stomp. It comes originally from Haiti, via the slave ships and plantations and the days when drums and instruments were banned, lest they be used to transmit messages. And the slaves used body percussion instead, or hambone, as it was called. It's a four-minute romp, complete with African percussion and whistles. And to my English Norfolk boy ears, it sounds quintessentially early 30s American. Like the kind of thing you'd hear on Jeeves and Worcester. The juba became Price's calling card, and each of her four symphonies gets one. I can think of plenty of famous composers, Schumann, Tchaikovsky, who struggled with last movements of otherwise fab pieces, or who couldn't quite get them finished, like Walton. Price avoids this problem of having to work it all out by giving us something short and snappy. It's a mix of scurrying activity and confident downtown swagger. The sudden and resounding end seems to carry an air of defiance and challenge, as if to say, you thought people like me couldn't write music like this? Well, what do you think now? What do you think now? Or at least, once you've had a listen, do let me know with a comment. Now you can even save your typing fingers by leaving me a voice message, which is really cool and easy. Click on the links in the notes and have a listen to Florence Price's Symphony No. 1, and then tell me what you think. If you've enjoyed Cacophony, or know anyone who you think might, please share this episode or the trailer. There's links for that in the notes too. Come back for more next time. Thanks for listening.